I'm, I am Mike. Yep. Okay, well, welcome everybody here. Uh, second Sunday in Lent. Um, as you guys know, uh, I have a bunch of kids, and uh, a couple are, are out of the house, but between all five of them over all these years, we have gotten a lot of birthday party invites. And usually, they, usually they'll come where they'll give uh, invitations to the whole class, because it is a rule these days, and I, and I agree with this rule, that if you're going to be passing out invites, you better pass one to everyone, you know, so, you know, they aren't sitting there in the class comparing invites, and, you know, Susie and Billy are the only two who don't get one, right? So if you're going to give it to the class, you give it to everyone, right? And I'm amazed, most of them do invite the whole class, a lot. Um, and they'll all get invited. Everybody come to my thing. And, and um, so over the years, my kids have gotten lots of these different invites. I'm always amazed, though, at how few kids actually come to most of the parties. Uh, my kids, as you can tell, they love it, and they come every time. And, and uh, I, I don't even know if they know half the, you know, that, that, oh, yeah, that girl, I think she sits somewhere in my class. You know, we'll show up. And who are you? Oh, yeah, I'm Tobias's dad. You know, they don't always know, but my kids, will always, my kids are always up for a party um, and pizza, as you could hear. Um, we've done birthday parties in parks. We've done birthday parties in houses. We've done birthday parties in grandparents' houses. Um, that's actually a pretty common thing. You know, you, you know why? Because grandparents' house is usually clean. <laughs> I mean, really? If I want to get my house ready for a whole group of people, I got a budget. It's, it's going to take me a while, right? But, but, you know, grandma and grandpa, their house is nice. It's clean. So uh, that happens. I've had pizza. I, I've done it at um, uh, pizza places, at trampoline centers, at indoor gyms. Um, we, we have, the only thing we haven't done maybe is a barn. Um, maybe everyone just wants to save that for the wedding. Um, but with, you know, with all that, of course, uh, you, know, you, you can imagine people come in and they invite, you know, what's the class got, 20, 25 kids in it. Uh, and uh, there are so many I've gone to where you know, we would go to and there'd be maybe two, you know, two who would show up. The last one we went to, I think that was almost a record setter. I think we had like a whole eight, maybe ten at that one. Um, and uh, uh, they had two classes they invited. Oh, so the ratio wasn't as good. It was more like four per class. So, um, you know, but I've been to ones. I've been to ones where me and my kid are the only ones there who aren't family. And it's like, thank God they brought the whole family there with them. Uh, because otherwise it would have been pretty, it would have gotten pretty lonely. Um, and, uh, uh, but, you know, here's another observation I've had going to all these different birthday parties. Um, and I probably used this analogy before. I kind of think maybe I did. I don't know. It's been 12 years, so you're bound to start getting some repeats at some point. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I've noticed that there's sometimes a trend in who, who gets more responses to their invites. And this is all anecdotal. I'll admit it. Um, and it's not every case. But, for example, there was one my daughter got invited to years ago. Uh, the boy had autism. And so she was, again, if it wasn't for their family, there would have been nobody there. 
And I mean, they set up a big party too. I mean, they had the jumping castle and the pinata, and they had the, they were grilling all sorts of food. I mean, it was a nice spread. And uh, uh, she was the only kid from the class who came. And uh, the parents were, of course, very. They were very grateful. And uh, you know, it wasn't like he was a difficult kid to be around. You know, it's not like I don't want to send my kid; he'll fly into some rage or something. He was just kind of a quiet kid. You know, he had to say things a couple times, give him a little. To, a little lead time to process it, but you know his whole family was there, right? Um, and so, uh, well, you know, they threw a party and almost nobody came. And you, you, you know, <laughs> you know what it's like to throw a party and have nobody show up, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a kid, even if you're an adult, that doesn't feel good, you know. But when the room's packed, it's very validating, right? I'm a preacher; I know that feeling, right? <laughs> We live and die by the, by, by the numbers. Our self-esteem goes like this. Every rodeo weekend, my self-esteem hits the bottom. And uh, so, right? But we know what that's like. In essence, when you go to someone's party, what you're saying is, you're worth my time. Right? You're important enough for me to bother to spend a Sunday afternoon on a trampoline. Right? You're important enough for me to block time out of my schedule. Uh, and, that, and, that, and that's really, there's something powerful about that that we miss. To, to give you a, an example, maybe on the flip side of things, I remember my second year of seminary, I lived down in Washington, D.C. The school had this kind of exchange program, and you could take classes at some of the di many different divinity schools in Washington, D.C. I ended up taking an ethics class at Howard, uh, at Howard Divinity School. And um, we got to talking in the class conversation about the different ways uh, people get subtle messages that they're not wanted. Because sometimes it's very blatant, but sometimes, sometimes it, it can be so subtle, maybe even the person doing it doesn't even realize they're doing it. And one of the women there, uh, one of the students, was talking about how she grew up uh, in, in academia. Her parents were both professors. They both had PhDs. And so they grew up in this, you know, very, you know, a very liberal kind of environment and lots of talk about social justice and these kind of things. And she said they were very good at talking about it, but she noticed as she grew up, she never got to see the inside of anybody's houses. That whenever there were parties, mysteriously, her parents just didn't get invited. And, uh, uh, and you know, and there was that disconnect between the talk and the actions. And she noticed it. She noticed it. And, uh, you know, and it, was, and it was very interesting that kind of that she brought that up in that very subtle way. And it struck me how easy it is to talk about being kind and diverse and inclusive and all these kind of things. But yet, how sometimes hard it is for us to do that in a very simple, basic way that means a lot to people. It's like all these things are just kind of abstract until it comes to your own life. And then we have to say to ourselves, what am I willing to do with my life and my time? Am I willing to show someone they matter by spending my time with them? You know, it's an act of love. I would even say it could even be an act of subversion or justice when you're deliberately building bridges that society doesn't want built. In our Bible reading today, from the Gospel of Luke, uh, it tells that parable, right, 
of the man who throws this great banquet. And uh, it just says he invited many. It doesn't say what the banquet was for. It's a parable, right? So he invites all these people, invites as many people to the banquet, and he sends his servants out to go tell them, hey, everything's ready. So essentially, hey, folks, we're giving away free food. And they come up with the, some of the best passive-aggressive uh, excuses I've ever heard. Boy, funny how human nature doesn't change. Nowadays, you just click interested on the person's Facebook event if you want to reject them without rejecting them. Uh, back then, you had to use really, really insightful ones like, I bought a piece of land and I have to go look at it. <laughs> like, what's it going to do, disappear? Is this never-ending story, you know, and the darkness is going to make your land go into the void if you don't get there quick? For those of you who remember never-ending story. Um, and uh, I'm like, boy, you better catch your land before it's gone. Yeah, uh, you know, I like that's lame. Or the other one, I, I just bought five oxen. I have to try them out. What do you mean you have to try them out? Are they going to forget how to walk if you don't keep them overnight? I mean, it's not like these are Olympic gymnasts, you know, that if they skip a training day could fall behind. They're oxen. They just walk forward and they'll be just as good or just as bad tomorrow. You know? Yeah, give me a break. That's lame. Or the, be or, or the best one, the one that comes the closest to having legitimacy is the guy who says, he just got married, he can't come. Well, how long ago did you just get married? Did you get married yesterday, two weeks ago, a month ago? You know, I mean, if you're not on your honeymoon, you could probably bring your wife. There's plenty of food. You know? And you go, whatever. It's obvious the reasons are so pathetic that all they're really saying is, I just don't want to be around you without saying, I don't want to be around you. So what does the, what does the guy at the banquet do, does? He, he, he sends his slaves to go out and say, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. You know, the people that every rich guy normally invites on his yacht. I'm sure Bezos has lots of the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind riding his $500 million mega yacht, right? And uh, so, but those people show up. They show up. They honor him with the presence. I'll bet he appreciated it and said thank you. So what's the story about? Well, it's a parable, right? And parables can mean lots of things. That's kind of the beauty of them. They don't just have one simple answer. So on the one hand, this could be a parable about the kingdom of God. You know, it even starts out with the guy saying, blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. So this could be a parable. Uh, and I think that's probably a valid way of looking at it, that this is about uh, Jesus coming, this is maybe Jesus' second coming, and how he goes and he invites all of his own people, and he invites the priests, and he invites the Pharisees and the religious scholars, invites all these people together, and they, they aren't interested in what he has to say. So what does he do? He goes out and he invites, uh, invites everybody off the streets. And as we know, Jesus always had a huge crowd of people off the streets. Right? They're not all snotty about it. And that's a typical theme for Jesus, right? First will be last, the last will be first. But I wonder if there's still another way to look at this. What if the guy throwing the banquet is you and me? And we're out here trying to make connections in our lives with people that will make us look good or people that we could get something from. Uh, you know, we, we, that everybody wants to be friends with the guy who has all the extra passes 
to the to the you know all the extra uh, season tickets to the Cats basketball. I'll bet that guy gets lots of dinner invitations, right? Maybe I can get those postseason tickets too. Invite, make sure you invite him. It'd be really nice, kids, right? Maybe we're the ones out there trying to invite into our lives people that benefit us and make us look good, people that could help us some out with a favor. But unless you're super rich and super buff, you probably don't get the time of the day with a lot of those people. But you keep hoping. You keep hoping, right? Kind of like, I like the teenage girl who goes to school and comes back, you know, comes back home every day in tears at the way those mean girls have treated her. You know, and I'd want to sit there and say, well, then why are you hanging out with them? Oh, but, but you know, but they're my friends. And I'm like, every day you're miserable by the way they treat you. That's not how friends treat you. Why don't you find new friends? And then they say, well, I don't want to be picked on like the unpopular people. I'm like, well, it's working so well for you with the popular ones. I mean, you're this, you're this miserable. Would it be more miserable? Well, what they're really saying is, I don't want to drop down in the social class. I don't want to, I don't want to move down in the hierarchy. I want, to, I want my spot in the in crowd if it hurts me. Right? And you want to say, look, it's obvious that you want them a lot more than, than they want you, and they're just stringing you along. And you're putting up with it and they know they can get away with it because they know you want in. And they know they can treat you, and they know they can treat you like that because you won't leave. You know? You need to rethink who you're want, whose party you want to be at. Imagine if she tried to throw a party then for them, would they come? Or would they all have something earth-shatteringly important that just happened, they happened to have to do? You know, sometimes it takes feeling rejection to get that some people just aren't interested in being in our lives. And I think that's, you know, that's a truth that's always a bitter pill to swallow and never fun. But the reality is there are some people that just don't want a relationship with you. And they don't really care. And, and they don't think you're worth their time. And you're busy pursuing the relationship. And it's going nowhere. And you don't really get you don't really get it because you're not getting the subtle hints about needing to go and train their oxen. And it isn't until you get that rejection that you finally realize that maybe this isn't who God has in mind for me to be with. Maybe this parable is about us. You know, we're the hosts of the big dinner. And we're out inviting people into our lives, to our houses, to our parties, and they're just not interested. Maybe we're the ones pursuing people on the dating apps that all drive Ferraris to their mansions and everybody's swiping on them. I hope I swipe the right way. Is it, is it left or right that's the, that's the way you want them? Nobody knows. Somebody out there, put, put in the comments, and tell me which way you're supposed to swipe. But, right? Certain people, you're swiping on them, swiping on them, and they never swipe back. And those, they, they, they never settle down. Why? Because everybody swipes on them. Maybe what God is saying, that we've cut ourselves off from relationships that could be healthy and life-giving for us 
because we've written people off before we've even started. And we're caught up in worldly ideas about beauty and wealth and looks and value that have nothing to do with Jesus or the way God values people in the kingdom of God. We're cutting people out of our lives that God is saying you could gain a lot from, both of you. This is the kingdom of God. It's about a better world, a more just world, a more kind world. And while it can be really hard to think of how to do that, because you know politics can be, seem so overwhelming these days, we, yet we can start in powerful ways with our own lives, our own time, and we can make a difference for people and for ourselves by giving our time to someone else. We can resist the way society beats some people down by building networks of friendship and community that goes against those values. It's not rocket science. It can be as simple as showing up and saying hi. Our time, ourselves, our presence, you know, often the best thing you can give someone, especially in this super busy day and age. The kingdom of God is big, but it often starts very small. One invite at a time, we can begin to build it. Amen.